So glad that you're here with us this morning where we all are blessed. We all have the opportunity to be blessed. We all are blessed in ways that we are unaware of. And so our job is to, be, is to expand our awareness. Expand our awareness to the blessings that are already here for us. And when we expand our awareness to the blessings that are already here for us, more blessings come. I believe that. So in this moment, we are aware of the blessing of being alive, of the blessing of having made it to this church service, of the blessing of the people around us who are ready to give us acceptance and unconditional love. We are aware of the music and the message that are here to serve us to whatever degree we allow them to. We are grateful for the community that supports us. We are grateful for the rain. We are grateful for the sun. We are grateful that we're getting toward the end of August and then it won't be August <laughs> So much to be grateful for as we look around. We're standing, most of us, on solid legs. We're seated in reasonably comfortable bodies. We sing with a voice given to us from the Creator. And we allow that Creator to sing through us to make the music of the spheres. We are the music of the spheres. And so for all that, we simply say thank you, thank you, thank you for these awarenesses awarenesses we haven't had yet, but that are coming to us as we open ourselves to allow. We say thank you, God, and thank you, God, and thank you, God, and amen. amen. All power, all power, this is our truth. Let's sing another song.
receiving forgiveness. They all encourage us to engage in concrete action to rectify any damage caused by our shortcomings while acknowledging that we are likely to mess up again and offering techniques for growing our consciousness around the kinds of behaviors that caused us to miss the mark. The vulnerability such practices engender is in itself holy ground. We soften our grip on the separate self and leave the ego undefended, affirming our independence with all beings and finding our footing. The idea that it doesn't have to be okay in order to be okay. You don't have to forgive me in order for me to forgive you. You don't have to make it right in order for me to have the peace of forgiveness in my heart. And that for me, we've been working on these 12 steps, these 12 steps of recovery. What are you recovering from? I don't know, but I bet you do if you pay attention. What I found is, is that these 12 steps can help anyone recover from anything because all they do is take universal truths and put them in an order and supply a, uh, a container of accountability around it so that you have motivation to show up and keep doing these things and a community, a sangha, right? That's the beauty of them. And so no matter what you need to recover from, too much TV watching, you can recover from. And really all of the addictions that we need to recover from are simply recovering from the ways in which we are not allowing our true selves to live as our true selves. The ways that we hide and cover and distract and run away from. So what recovery means, recovering who we really are after the mess that life has thrown on us. You know, some of us we may have come in with, but then more gets thrown on us for sure. So the first week we talked about being able to surrender to a God of our understanding and how important it is that you know what kind of God you can surrender to. I don't want to surrender to a God that's going to judge me and condemn me if I slip up. I want to surrender to a God that I know knows who and what I am, knows my love, knows my heart, knows my intentions, and is always forgiving. That's the God I surrender to. And when I know that, when I believe that, then what I'm surrendering to can only be for my good. And so I let go of my will and my life. I say, okay, there is that within me. This God, this thing that I call God, or my higher self, or the wisdom of being, or the divine wisdom of the universe, or mother name, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. But there is a wisdom that I can turn to. And when I turn my will and my life over to that wisdom, my will and my life run better. And the thing that can stand in the way, oh, I've surrendered, everything's good, right? We only need three steps. Here's the thing, we are human and we brought a whole lot of baggage with us. From the religions of our childhoods, from our families of origin, from our cultures, 
which try to tell us who we are, who's worthy and who's not, who's pretty and who's ugly, who's worthwhile, who is worth being ignored. We get all that piled onto us. So the next steps are a way of taking that off. We do a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, not take a chart and ask for a consensus. What do you think I am? Don't you think I'm a nice person? Don't you think I'm a nice person? Don't you think I'm not writing yours down? <laughs> we tend to take consensus. Well, they think I'm a nice person, so I must be. And then the other thing we do is we look at people whose lives seem to be in great order, and we go, if people only knew how messed up I am inside. I mean, I put on these clothes and this makeup, so I look okay today, but these people really are okay, and I am a, I'm a gelatinous blob inside here. Here's the deal. Everybody's got a gelatinous blob. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody does. And when we try to compare how we feel inside and what we know inside of ourselves to what people are willing to share on their outside, then we will always come off looking like we are, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with everybody. <laughs> which is in perfect divine right order, which means there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with it. There are challenges through which to grow. There are challenges through which to learn. And so we make an inventory of ourselves. We say, this is who I am. This is how I have shown up in the world. Some of the ways I wish I hadn't shown up. These are some of the things I've done that, have, that I've carried like a bag of stones on my back for years and years and years. Here are the things that I might not even have done, but I think I might have. I might have said that. Did I say that right? that I take to bed with me at night and allow to keep me from sleeping. All of that stuff, we write it down. We get some clarity on it. We share it with ourselves. We admit the truth to ourselves, which is hard. Rigorous honesty. We share it with God. God loves us through it. If we're sharing it with that God that we have determined, is a God that always has our back and that loves us, then sharing it with God is not scary because we are not here to be judged. And then we share it with another human being. <laughs> and as I said, no take backsies. I think that's the most important thing. Uh, once you said it out loud to someone else, there's someone else who knows, and it's going to be harder for you to go back and pretend it never happened. <laughs> not impossible because denial is a very strong river in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> Not impossible, but very difficult once you've said it aloud. And especially if you've said it aloud in a community to someone in a community who understands, who's been through the process before and is here to love you through it. That's the beauty of this program. And then step six we did last week, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of the stuff that's standing in our way of being able to shine as the true love that we are. Entirely ready. That's a big word, entirely ready. I often just want to skip over that part and get to the action. But there's something in readiness. And for me, 
Getting ready meant I had to find out what's the payoff of the ways of the things that I'm not, that I say I want to let go, but I don't want to let go of. What is my payoff? If I say I don't need to eat any more ice cream, it's not good for me, but I keep eating ice cream. And when somebody tells me, you need to get ready, entirely ready to give up ice cream, am I entirely ready? Or am I already making plans for how I'm going to sneak a cone? Am I entirely ready? And what's the payoff if I don't? The payoff is that when the chips are down and I feel absolutely like crap and I have nowhere to turn, at least for 30 seconds, an ice cream will make me feel better. Now I feel worse afterward. But we tend to focus on the moment that it feels good. So getting entirely ready is a big thing in itself. And then the steps we are here to talk about today, number seven, humbly asked him, the higher power of our understanding, not of him, remember that these were written by white men in 1935. So the language was the language of their culture. We can broaden our minds past that. Humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. Humbly. How does that word make you feel? Make a face or a hand gesture that will tell me how that word makes you feel. Anybody? Okay. See, some of them are like, woo, I love to be humble. Some of you are like, what? Me? No. Humility is a word that is spoken in every religious tradition, that it's important for us to be humble. But humility has nothing to do with humiliation. Here's the deal. People outside you try to humiliate you, and that can only happen with your agreement. Humbleness, humility, no one can force you into it or give it to you. It has to come from in here. It has to come from a place of, I understand that I am one. I'm not higher. I'm not lower. I'm not better. I'm not worse. I'm not more worthy. I'm not less worthy. I am as God created me to be, one with the one. One with the one. So from that place of humility, I can get to my humbleness, which isn't about, oh, mea culpa, mea culpa. You know, it's not about flagellating ourselves. It's not about saying, I'm a wretched worm. That is not humility. That is self-humiliation. Humility stands and says, this is who I am. Some of the things I've done are pretty awesome, and some of them are pretty terrible, and most of them have been somewhere in between. And I've deluded myself about which of those was what. And I'm entirely ready to stop doing that. So I come humbly and I ask God to remove these shortcomings. Wow. For years I read that as, so I come humbly and I start working really hard to get rid of all my shortcomings. <laughs> Doesn't say that. It says ask God. Ask that higher power. Ask the God in you, ask the God that you have already surrendered to and begun to trust. Ask the God of love to take care of it for you. It's a miracle when you let go of it. 
Have you ever been working so hard on something? It's like, I didn't get that to that minute, but that if I'm, I'm just going to work at this, nothing's happening, nothing's getting better, nothing's getting better, and finally you look up and this other thing has already resolved itself without you even doing anything. So, what if it's you're here not to have to figure it out? What if God gets to figure it out? Because God's got way better plans than I do, I have to say. So we asked God, because God can't, ego can't. God can, did I say God can't? God can, ego can't. Our higher self, our higher power, the one love in the universe, the universal spirit has all power. Our ego has little power, but it talks loud. <laughs> So then, we make a list. Step seven was humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Yikes! You mean all those people that I never want to see again? That I avoid under all conditions? That I blocked from my Facebook so they're, I don't have to see a face that makes me feel guilty every time I look at it? Those people? Okay, slow down. It says make a list. Just make the list. Don't think beyond that. Make the list. That's it. Make the list. Of all persons we had harmed, and it's very important to have someone help you tease this out, because because someone is mad at you doesn't necessarily indicate that you have harmed them. It doesn't harm people for them to disapprove of you. So you don't have to go around and say you're sorry in places where you don't need to make any amends. It's amazing how many of us do, and that's that people-pleasing behavior that many of us just, I just want everybody to be happy with me. So whatever I need to say to get everybody happy with me so that when I walk in this room, I can feel uncomfortable as I see her and, and oh, I know what they're thinking. Oh, they didn't like that decision I made or whatever. Um, just... Be happy. Just go, I've got a list of what I've done, and when I know what I've done and what I haven't, then I know how to act. And when I know what I've done and I feel guilty about it, I may act in all kinds of squirrely ways. But when I know what I've done and I've made amends for it, then I'm free. It's the whole point of these steps, y'all. I'm free. This is how I get free. Made a list of persons we had harmed. Now, here is how you do that. It's very important. Instructions. Pen in hand, butt in chair, paper in front of you. That's the very, very esoteric way of doing this. Just do it. Just do it. And the cool thing is, if you've done your fourth and fifth step, you have some wisdom about who you harmed and who harmed you, and who you owe an amends to and who you don't. That's very helpful in making this list. And the second half of this step is made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Became willing. So here's the deal. You're not doing anything. You're not making amends. You're making a list 
Sometimes I'm just quite aware that I'm not willing. I am not willing, not willing, not willing, not willing. Then I can say this prayer. Make me willing to be willing. <laughs> if I can be willing to be willing to be willing, then there's there's some movement that's been made. And if I'm not willing, then I get to you get to stay there for as long as you want. There's nobody going, nope, 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 get on, get out there, start fixing things. Nope. If you wanna, if it takes you a year or two years to become willing, fine. Rest in that. Ask for help. God, God with skin on. The people around you who you can trust. People around you who perhaps have gone through the same process. Willing to make amends. No action yet. It's just an awareness, an acceptance. Awareness that's an invitation to accept responsibility fully. And then when you've fully taken responsibility and are willing to let God help you clean it up. So far we've only been making lists and looking at things we didn't like. Now we're saying, and here's this mess, how will I actually clean it up? Step nine is the action step. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Made direct amends. Here's what's really important that you need to know. Amends doesn't mean saying you're sorry. Amends means restitution, compensation for a loss or injury. It means replacement of a lost item. It means make it right. And sometimes we have to face the very painful fact that we cannot make it right. That our relationship with the person that we harmed has ground to the point that what they've said is, I don't want you ever in my face again. And that means the way you respect them is you don't go get them in your face. Sometimes the person to whom we want to make an amend is no longer living. And so those direct amends, or sometimes the person that we want to make direct amends with is our old boyfriend, who we kind of secretly want to go, Stay out of that mess. Direct amends, except when to do so, would injure them or others. It is an injury to someone who is asked not to see your face for you to shove your face in theirs. It is an injury to come and go to the police and say, me and Michael Smith, who lives at blah, 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 stole beer from his store a few years ago. Right? It's not your business what Michael did. It's your business what you did. You can go to the store owner and say, this is what I did, accepting your personal responsibility. I'd like to make amends for that. We stole two six-packs. How much is two six-packs today? Pay him the money. It can be something as simple as that. Don't make amends to people for things you have thought about them but not acted on. That is injurious. You know, I've always thought you're a really idiot, but um, 
but I'm, I'm really working a program, and so I'm trying not to feel that way anymore. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. no, we don't do that. Um, so an apology could be part of it. I'm really sorry. And in, in New Thought, we don't like to use the words I am and the word sorry. Oh, you know what? Are you sorry? Do you regret? I'd like to apologize for. If sorry doesn't feel good to you, I need to make an apology to you about this. I was wrong. Those are the most important words. I regret. I'm sorry. I apologize. I need to talk to you about something that happened between us. And I need you to know that I was wrong. Fonda used to say, I was rude. <laughs> I was rude. People in my family say that to me too. You were rude. I was wrong. I was wrong when I did that. I'm sorry. How can I make it up to you? And then listen to what they say. If they say, you can't make it up, I really don't want you around me, then you say, well, then I bless you, and you move on. And if you can't pay it back for whatever reason, then you pay it forward. You never steal again if you stole from somebody who doesn't want restitution. You don't gossip again if you've tried to apologize to someone about whom you spread harmful gossip. They don't want to hear it. Then what you can do is stop gossiping about people. Ever. If you can't pay it back, pay it forward. And here's the other part of it. Doesn't say this word in there, but I'm going to put it in there. You have to mean it. I had a friend in the program who, who was like, went around just, oh, she's doing the program, she's making amends to everybody. And she's like, I'm not getting any better, I don't feel better. It's like, well, you're still talking about your ex-husband like he's the, the actual Satan. And she's like, oh, you mean I have to mean it? <laughs> people know if you're being authentic with them. You end up just re-injuring people. And you don't go and explain. An apology is not this. I'm really sorry that you took that the wrong way when I was innocently trying to tell you blah, blah, blah. Or, I'm sorry if your feelings were hurt when I said that. Leaving it some of the blame on them. Or, I'm really sorry I hit you. If you had that in my face the way you did, or even, I'm really sorry that I hit you. I was abused as a child, and that's something that I have had a problem with and that I'm working on. Probably not. They don't need to hear that you were abused as a child. They need to hear that you are sorry that you were abusing him then, and that you are working to overcome that shortcoming. Authenticity. Authenticity. So apology simply means taking responsibility. And you can apologize. Take responsibility for it. It's very important. Um, 
One time, was, and their relationship has never been the same. This couple that I was with that came and spent a weekend with me and Bob, the guy, and Bob, you can tease him very easily. <laughs> he's easy to tease. But some people think he's just a whipping boy and they can just keep going too far, and especially people who don't know him very well. And this guy was sort of acting like it was a joke, but he was saying mean things. And Bob doesn't, you know, he's not confrontational. But he just went inside and stayed away from everybody else. And then the guy came in and said, oh, are you okay? And he's just like, oh, I'm just going to sit in here and be by myself for a while and I'll go do whatever you're doing. And then later, the person said, hey, I, I, I'm sorry if you took that that way. I mean, I'm really sorry if you took, if you took that that way because that's, uh, you know, that's not how I meant it. I was teasing. And that's not an apology. That's not accepting responsibility. I'm sorry if you took that that way. You're not responsible for how they take it. You're responsible for what you did. Or for what you said. For some action that you set in motion. Right? So you can apologize for that. But it has to be genuine. You have to mean it. And if you're apologizing without actually accepting responsibility, you have missed the mark. Yet again, you might do a little inventory on that. <laughs> so, authenticity. We, when we follow through with this process, when we've taken this deep inventory, and it's not easy, I'm telling you, telling yourself the truth about you, it's not easy, but it's a lot easier when you believe that there is no truth about you that hasn't been true for a billion other people. Maybe even a billion, billion other people. There is no truth about you. You are not the only one who ever did that or thought that or said that or meant that. You're not. Sorry. You're not that special. <laughs> you are unique but not special. You are on an even playing field with everyone. And when you carry guilt around with you, you feel like you're not on an even playing field. So you constantly try to pump yourself up. So from the outside, it looks like you think you're hot diggity dog. From the inside, you feel like, why is it never enough? What would happen if you just went, I don't have to be above anybody or below anybody. Authenticity. And if we're going to authentically make amends to people we have harmed, then we must make amends to ourselves. To whom in your life have you ever harmed more than you have harmed yourself? Harming yourself by holding back your truth, your beauty, your art, your vision, your ideas, your opinions, Harm yourself by speaking out stuff that you weren't even really sure about. You just thought if you were the last word, the word, uh, loudest talker in the room, you might be considered right. Um, harm yourself by putting yourself last. Harm yourself by shutting everybody aside and putting yourself forth. You may you hurt other people in the process, but you harm yourself. You harm your spirit. What if there were a way? For you to keep in touch with who you are and what you're doing and clean it up immediately so that you did.
didn't have to carry a burden with you anywhere anymore. It's not an easy process, but once you get to the toward the end of this process, and this is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it's true for everyone, and this is right at step nine. It says, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. Can you imagine not regretting your past? Nor wish to shut the door on it. Y'all, that's why I get to come up here and tell you all the stupid stuff I've done. Because I no longer regret the past. I understand that it brought me to where I am today. And please God, I am better at navigating my life than then. But if I was still trying to keep it all in a closet, it would take too much energy for me to face today with, with the truth of today. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Read that in for a minute. Comprehend the word serenity and know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experiences can benefit others. That's why I'm a preacher, y'all. Because I've gone down some roads that really didn't work for me. And I'd like to share with you how I climbed out of them. In hopes that if you fall down the same road, you might have at least one an idea of how to get out of it. Or even better, that you might sort of recognize that. I think, I think Melinda was on that road. I'm going over here. Because <laughs> we become who we are by what we've gone through. Yeah. And then we have no shame anymore. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook on life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. That higher power, when we surrender to it, when we get honest with it, when we allow it to take charge and we go to sit in the back seat and make, you know, ego's going to make some comments like my grandmother always did from the back seat of my grandfather's car. It's always going to make some comments, but you don't put it in the driver's seat. Your spirit is in the driver's seat. God is in the driver's seat. These are things, when you get rid of the voices in your head that are always judging you and comparing you to everyone else, then you have enough silence to listen to the voice of your own tuition, intuition telling you, this is working. Don't do that. Do this. Go this direction. Have you experienced that at some time in your life where you felt just so clean as a whistle that suddenly you were getting messages? If you haven't, it's there for you. Just a little process to go through. And I'm going to add step.
then by all means have a bubble bath. But this is not just self-care, this is soul care. Soul care when you make amends to yourself. Sometimes it may, may be as small as saying, what do I want for dinner? Rather than taking a poll of what everyone else wants and cooking them what they want and never getting what you want. It might be, what, what do I want to watch on TV? What movie do I want to go to? How do I want to spend my afternoon without referencing what everyone else is doing? Yeah, sure, you can still do stuff with people, but are you doing it because it's what you really want to do? Or because you've decided that, yes, this relationship is important and I'm going to be able to give on some of these things? Or is it because you think your opinion doesn't matter and no one will listen anyway? Those are questions only you can answer. And so, when we've been through that process, the new freedom, the new happiness, suddenly realizing God is doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and to keep all that from building up and having to go through that process again, step 10 says, Continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Promptly. It is a spiritual practice for me and my family to say, I was wrong about that. I say it really loud because I spend so much time telling everybody that I'm right about stuff. And unfortunately for them, I am right about a lot of it. <laughs> It's all okay. It's all okay. 
Next week, so we've, so far we've gotten, and this is all found sound new thought principles, y'all. Release the past. Let God, rather than ego, take control. Follow the directions. And we find words that are not used in steps, but they are the result of the steps. Forgiveness. We're able to forgive ourselves. We're able to forgive others. As we understand ourselves more deeply, we get, oh yeah, you're just like me. You mess up. We're able to forgive ourselves and each other. And so next week, last two steps, we'll talk about those and I'm excited about those. Let's take a moment to take all of that into meditation. And I'll do a short one.
this moment of peace and serenity, looking at those ropes, we can simply pray. <coughs> Divine Presence, make me willing to let go of all that is not mine to hold. Make me willing to let go of all that does not serve my highest good. And in your mind's eye, you may start to just take those ropes one by one, drop them on the ground in front of you. That's all forgiveness is. Pardon me? That is all forgiveness is. Breathe into that feeling. 